Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandale on tech. And coming off a glorious weekend and the Adele special with Oprah, Sammy. Hey, buddy. Did, did you watch that? Was that a thing? Well, I was on, when I was getting ice for hockey last night, it was on in the gas station. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is this? But I didn't really watch it. No, no you didn't? No, I didn't. I, I love had, Adele. I would have watched it, but I didn't, I didn't have it on. I had you pegged to watch that. Well, he did tell me he was jamming out to her new single, which I also have and yeah. think is decent. What is it? Hello? Easy. <laughs> yeah, Hello is only from like 2012, I think, probably. Yeah. Like 10 years Just old Just missed so. that one by... Thank God that was only... What do they call it? One night only? Thank God. Kip, My Kip, wife tried to watch me, uh, have me watch it like for like three minutes. And I said, I actually would break out in hives. She's <laughs> <laughs> a good singer, man. Oh, no. Well, she, so no, no, no. She's, she's off the charts. Yeah, she's she is the best in the world. Yeah. No argument here. But so, I'm, still wa- I'm still getting a rash watching that thing. Yeah. My, 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 I was sitting around hanging out with my uh, fiance, Allie, last night. She said, does Kipper have Instagram? And I was like, I, I actually don't know. So I looked up Kipper on Instagram because that's what one does, I guess, if uh, uh, Allie was thinking about it. And I was looking at some pictures, playing golf with Rafa Nadal. Like, Whoa. what's going on with this guy over here? Like, this guy is Mr. He's got pictures with Shaq in there. Like, Mr. Worldwide <laughs> Kipper over here. I was blown away. I've had it. I've had it with that, too. With Instagram? You just joined it, didn't you, Sammy? Well, I lost my old account, so I had to get a new account. But yeah, okay, just, I got a new account. Just promise me one thing. What's that? You will never take a picture of yourself in the mirror. No, I never have in my life. Never okay. Will. Nope. I will never do it. Promise. I, I will say this. The only time I ever have is when I'm showing my wife a new outfit here at Sportsnet. Yeah, yeah I'll be that's like, fair. Yeah, look, I got a new suit. So, well, you would look, they're looking at me like I'm putting it on Instagram or something. Sending it to my wife, Kipper. Buddy, we but, don't have pictures else of is seeing it. No one else is seeing okay, it. Okay. All right. We, that's fair. Okay, they're Not Rafa Nadal. But if you put it on Instagram to show your wife. <laughs> Good point. Good like, point. If, if I ever do that, okay, you know that, that baseball bat by our desk? Yeah. I'm giving you full permission <laughs> to just hit me over the head. Give you a clean okay? one. And not just one. I'm talking like, you know, even if I'm in yeah. convulsions, you keep hitting. I'm looking just like, forward. You know what? Like, like a good fella movie, man. You just go until I'm out. If I ever, ever take a selfie of me in a mirror or in yeah. any scenario. I don't suspect I'm going to be using that bat. I'm not going to keep it at the ready. But we do have a photo shoot coming up next week, so I'm looking to see oh, Kipper's yeah. poses. I can't wait to see all those pictures of Kipper in a new suit on Instagram. And we're... Yeah, we'll never see that. Those old, those, I've, take, I've been here for 20 years. Yeah. I've taken... Every year I've taken these pictures. Lost they the they don't surface anywhere. <laughs> they don't. They're just, they're lost just somewhere. One person uh, has a is, huge hard drive of Kipper pictures. Which somewhere. is fantastic. <laughs> Nothing actually makes it. So that's that's the good part. Later, tell us about knowing Rafa Nadal, because that's yeah. pretty cool. How was that? Played with him? Um, were you host him? Yeah, we were, uh, we were, we were uh, all set to golf together, and it, Rain, it Come started on, raining. No. It got rained out. Really? It got rained out. That's too bad. I sat with him for three hours. The you, poor guy, I'm like, he wouldn't leave. He wanted, <laughs> he was waiting for the rain to stop and it just completely flooded the course. And I'm like, Raph, I got to go, bud. 
I gotta go. Imagine that you're getting okay. frustrated sitting with like. I mean, what? what, what like, the greatest, one of the one greatest. of the best all time, no doubt. <laughs> That's hilarious. Too good. Oh, I promised him I'll take him out there when he comes back again. <laughs> this guy. So what are they con- he's talking about, Rafa? Like, to, like it's a kitty baby. Like he's gonna take something. me out to Rosedale. Or something. <laughs> 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 I gotta take Rafa out. Yeah, well. Okay, Anyways. Sammy, if you didn't watch Adele on the weekend, mm. and uh, it's it's all Leafs. I did watch a lot of Leafs. Watched a lot of football, too, yeah. And Leafs I think for the most part, like, how hard you want to critique wins, their points, it's it's good. They're now comfortably back into a position where they can challenge for the division. All good, right? Yes, all good. Points are good. I think Sheldon Keefe made some mention of that point. I think after the Buffalo game, he said, I'm not going to chop this one no. up anymore. <laughs> That's two points. Friday was very good, I think. Yeah. I thought that they played really well against a really structured defensive team. Like, I think Daryl Sutter's really got those guys playing his style. They looked awesome. They were playing a perfect road game. Sheldon talked about how they were playing a perfect road game. They got one, and they fought back into it and got the extra point in overtime. I thought they played great on Friday, and then Saturday happened. And boy, oh, boy, like... Can you remember a worse game between two NHL teams than that one? That was an awful hockey game. And Calgary play, came in playing well. I, I know they lost, I think, the uh, first two of those coming prior, in. Yeah. But they, you could still see signs, I think, Friday night, why they've gotten off to a good start. You didn't get Markstrom. Bladar played well. Yep. I won't count the uh, three-on-three goal because that one was a little iffy, but... At the, when we're talking three on three, I, I I want to talk real hockey. I'm not talking, you know, the skills I competition. Want that save, though I want that. I know save. you I, want the I'm save, Calgary. but that to me that doesn't really buy Matthews, in. Yeah. Right. And it's it's not real hockey. It's three on three. It's it's this pond you, competition. I didn't know that you're a three on three is not I, real hockey guy. Uh, no, it's not real hockey, but it's entertaining, yeah. and we watch it and we can marvel at their skill. But it's not real hockey, so I would not categorize yeah. that that goal that he gave up part of the the sixty minutes that I watched. I would actually be okay if three on three stats didn't count towards goaltender stats. Like you get a ton of I rushes. I don't think they ton, should. Yeah, you that's get a, interesting. That's a good. A, I never heard that before. No, you just get a lot of different looks and a, a lot of non gameplay scenarios where you know real hockey, as Kipper calls it, is not two on ones and, and one on O's and, and three it, on O's. It really should be looked at. Like if you score in a shootout as well, because yeah. you don't count the shootout goals, and you don't get credited for that. Right. So I, I, I don't I really, mind giving the guy who scores at the OT winner. I don't mind that. But my point is though that they were up against some really solid yeah. goaltending. Yeah, really, really solid goaltending, and you know the Flames coming into that game were between first, they're in the top five in basically every defensive category in the league. And what what I liked about the Leafs game most was that when it wasn't coming on the offensive side of things, it didn't make them take chances and jump and leave the zone earlier. They just stuck with it and waited for that and, chance to come. And that, to me, was a, a really good sign that yeah. you can remain patient and not feel like you needed to open it up. And that was one of the few times this season, I think, that we've seen that. The good news is, throughout this this little run, is that they have proven to themselves that they can score. And we saw it against Buffalo as well, that when, when when push comes to shove and they need something, they could really reach down and find great opportunities. And it doesn't have to come at a certain point in the game. They just got to stick with it. And yeah. that's what I think Calgary did. Now, they did get a gift off of the Nylander 
shot that later Kasha got credited to Kasha. You think he tipped it? Probably. <laughs> I, I compared it to a junior hockey chisel where it's like, yeah, Kasha needs one. He probably he took it, though. He whispered at it. Oh, but, yeah. He called his name to the ref. Yeah, but, yeah, 2-5. Sammy, did you not watch um, Shillington throw up the pizza that got cut off by Kerfoot over to Nylander and the, then, boom, t- tied 1-1? Was that not headman all over again very similar but i will say alex kerfoot made a great read on that play and he's been making a lot of great reads recently and he's really elevated he his play. stood there while shillington went <laughs> tape a good to read. tape he knocked it down stop it knocked it down got it out in front quick and it was in the net i, I like kerfoot's game there horrible that giveaway but let's take full advantage of it yeah, no, you, you got to give them credit for that. It is funny, though, earlier in the season. I thought was sick all night, Oh, too. he's dynamic, I thought he was he? really good, and then he did that. It, it is wild, though, that we talked about the Leafs, and they're 2-4-1. Two, two, and one. We're going, they're just unlucky, and the advanced stats are good. Unlucky, unlucky. And all of a sudden, Hedman gives him one. Shillington gives him mm-hmm. one. They get a backspin knuckler for Morgan Riley off the bar with yeah, 10 seconds left. Never seen that before in my life unbelievable how that came back into the net for them so i think the complaints about luck are over uh we'll call it square on the season for how things went in the early going yep on to good breaks good breaks Uh, it just seems that things are going pretty well they are getting i think more more good breaks that uh probably would have like you said gone against them early yeah uh but there seems to be enough now you you look at buffalo Back to back, God, they were bad. Bad goal, or uh, uh, don't get the their starting goaltender. Uh, Joseph Wall goes in there, real emotional. We saw mom and dad on Hockey Night in Canada. The emotions that go through a parent, uh, all great to watch. Mm-hmm. But but <laughs> but they were. Horrible in the first forty minutes. It was just goaltending in that hockey. It was bad hockey. It really was. I mean, both teams were trying so hard to lose, just trying to give away points. Uh, You know, Aaron Dell on the Andre Kasha goal. That may be the worst goaltending I've seen this season. I I mean, I know he fakes one or not fakes one. He fans on one first, but I mean, Dell is leaning the other way on his knees on the goal line. I mean, if he doesn't do all of those things, he gets a piece of it. So yeah. not a great hockey game, no. goaltending. That, not to be rude here, but that looked like two goalies that may be playing above two leagues. Like, that looks like they may be, you know, both those guys looked not great. And I feel bad because Wall made a really great save in his first shot mm-hmm. where he came across, big pillow, huge stop coming across. I was like, oh, maybe. Oh, maybe. And then, you know, you, so look, at, you look at the fourth goal and you're like, oh, my is Lord. It, was <laughs> it any worse than Camp's first goal? Oh, no. Well, you, okay. know what? you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about the Kasha let's, goal. The let's camp be goal. honest here. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting there going, you'll never knock a goal. You'll take anything that you can get, especially Camp, who doubled his production from last season. <laughs> okay? You think heat. Chicago watched him going, oh, man, I didn't have you doubling last season. Yeah, totals. we're looking dumb here, guys. He's poor <laughs> on the I'm, offense. I'm sorry. I'm watching... Cap's goal go in, and all I can think of is watching my kids and learn to play hockey. Yeah. Where it is just like nobody raises the puck. Listen, my son's five. He just got pucks for the first time at practice last day, and he showed he got more pace on one the other day. <laughs> I was, I, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking of Kevin Cooey brushing that baby home. Hurry hard. Like it was it was going in like a curling rock. It was that, going so slow. That was 
all world learn yeah. to play hockey, you know, <laughs> where you watch like 12 kids within a three foot radius. It's yeah. like magnet hockey where they just go in clumps. They should, they should have just gone to center. I, no one the, even The worst part it. was is that if he just had one bit of hands, he could have just corralled it and shot it into the net. So it would have looked like a normal goal. And then he's like, oh, and then it still goes in. Kerfoot's laughing as you know what off. I, that was one of the funnier yeah. goals I've seen all year. But good way to get uh, get a you, four you, points. You gotta you gotta be able to put it away at, at three one and four two. Yeah. So uh, and they got running around, mm-hmm. and all the things that concerned you were still there. Mm-hmm. And even you know Justin Hall and Muzzin. Mm. I think it was uh, the Skinner third goal where they were. I, they were running around. I'm not sure if Muzzin was on. Maybe it was Lilligren, but like now you're watching and you're like, they're gonna blow this. And after the fourth tying goal with a, what eight minutes to go on the clock, that next shift they could have easily been down five four. Yeah, they were reeling pretty good there. You know, Travis Dermott's another guy, and we can talk about this more. And I know we we have it on our docket to get to at some point. But like the D pairs, Dermott and. And Lilligren, no Sandine, uh, he was missed as much as, you know, Sandine's almost a guy we skip over, you know, in all this talk about what to do with the bottom of the, the pairs. Is it Lilligren? Was Hall in? Is Dermot? Like, Sandine's an important but part he, of that bottom, but bottom he, pair. He can skate. He, he can. can skate a puck out of his own. Yeah. And how many guys do they have that can do that? Morgan? Yeah. Two. And two. that's it. They have two. Sandine and Morgan. So that's now you're down to one. Yeah. And they, it they, showed they Saturday night. It did. They missed them. They missed them more than I expected they would. Um, do you want to do D pairs or do you want to go to, to Willie? No, uh, go to D pairs. What? Uh... D, D pairs uh, today, uh, Lilligren looks like the odd man out. Um, right? Dermot's going to come back in. Or sorry, um, Dermot and Hall are both in. Sandine's coming back in. I just felt like, I just feel like it can't go on like this throughout the whole season. Like, something's got to give with Dermot. Like, there's not more there, is there? Until they make a trade? Yes. This is what you're dealing with. Yeah. So uh, it, sometimes you feel like you're shuffling uh, the chairs on the Titanic, I'm sure. I, I mean, that's exactly my takeaway with it. You know, I actually had the luxury of going to a skate today and getting to see some of these guys and all the stuff they're working on. I'm curious if Justin Hall can find his game because you mentioned him and thought he was running around a little bit. Yeah. I saw him, you know, at this skate. They're doing these drills, trying to get pucks through the point, and he's banging it into shin pads and falling. He just doesn't look like a confident version of himself right now. That's a hundred percent accurate. That Confidence. he just does not seem like the the guy that earned a two million dollar a year contract. Yeah, it looks like he's feeling it a little bit. I don't know if he came into camp in bad shape or just assumed too much about what his role was going to be, but. Uh, he's a guy who needs to find it right now. Obviously, Jake Muzzin's got to help him get there. All right, Willie. Willie, did he get benched? He was, he wasn't was there, on for the last four minutes of the Buffalo game. There, there was a window there where I think Sheldon just said, no, we're, perk it here. Yeah, had seen enough over the course Which, of that game. We've all talked about Willie getting off to a good start. And when he's gone, he's gone, right? <laughs> When he's going, he's going. Uh, uh, when? Yeah. When? Oh. So, is that, is that what we're... When Willie? When Willie is, is going. That's when he's going, he's going, right? <laughs> when he's going, he's going. When he's going, he's going. 
And that's basically what Sheldon told us today, isn't it? Yeah, you know, he did, and he mentioned, talked about Willie after the Friday game, too. Why don't we listen to the Friday clip first on what uh, what he had to say about the way Willie's playing. And it's been interesting because I do think the individual players have, have played well. But when I, uh, and my, His production is great. It's really good right where we, you know, we would want it to be, and he's producing a lot of chances. There's still other areas of his game that we'd like to see him be better in, you know, and, and it's all the way through our lineup. We've got better, all of our best guys. Uh, Will's produced... Uh, at a really great clip, and that's ultimately what we really need from him. Yeah, but yeah, there's other areas of, it, of his game that you know we can he can be better at. So in terms of is this the best I've seen him? No, it's not. Just being more consistent all the time. I, I think with this pace, the way look, he controls the game when he gets the puck, he's moving his feet, and he's playing. Uh, he he's in control. He's as good as anybody in the league. How many wins? <laughs> I think I just caught one. Even still, he implied a lot of wins when Willie is good, right? So what's your takeaway there? My takeaway is that this is a guy, and we've seen them throughout the league and in history, that when they're producing, that's it. That's what they're paid for. That's all you're asking for. Well, I, I don't know if they're going to try to turn him into something that he's not. And he's a guy that has to show up on the score sheet because his his game at times can get lost. He's not an impactful player when he's not producing. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's basically saying. Other areas. Well, he's not running anybody over. He's not intimidating anybody. He's not necessarily a guy that is constantly making others around him better when he's not producing. So... For me, what, what is he? He's, he's Phil he Kessel. Can, but he can get pucks back. And and that's the difference. When he plays good, he's getting pucks back. He's under sticks. He's hard on guys. You see him in pursuit of the puck. Yeah. Sometimes he's that guy who, you know. There are times. He like, it's a faux reach. Justin, like, he is a guy that when he feels good and wants to go, he could be the best player on the ice. Yes. But there's other times when it's like, no, just not my night. I'm not. Uh, and then he'll look lazy. Well, that's why he'll look tired. He'll look disinterested. It's and a great question, though, about why does it look so bad when he looks bad? Because uh, he lacks effort. Straight up. Straight up. Straight up. He's not pushing hard when it's not necessarily his night. Yeah. And you have to find other ways to look good and stand out. Willie hasn't figured that out yet. I don't think he cares to figure it well, out. Well, he's doing wait, good wait, enough for. Think about this guy's the, and the talent that he's had. And they, they're, they're guys historically in our game that have been so talented that when, when it's not working out, there's, there's nowhere else. There's, there's not another. What about your teammate Kovalev? There's not another bag, a uh, club in the bag he can pull out yeah. other than the talent one. Yeah, and. Kovalev was the same way. Ultra talented. Uh at times, I think I think at times he he overthought the game. He overplayed it. Uh I'm not sure if there's some nights that I, I looked at Alex and just said, uh he's just not trying. No. You know, maybe the maybe there was. Maybe there was, but Often, I think it was just sometimes he'd outthink himself. But mm-hmm. I don't know if Willie is necessarily that type of guy. Yeah, what kills me with Willie is, like, he's so smooth. 
that sometimes it looks like he's not trying, and that's fine. Sometimes he is trying, and it's just smooth, and the puck doesn't come to him. He doesn't get his points, and people say, ah, it's effort, but really he's playing smooth. But there's other times he's also not trying. So it's tough to parse, like, which Willie are we getting here? He's not getting points. Is it effort? Is it just bad luck? You know, uh, it's really tough to suss it out sometimes. Well, I'm just kind of having a tough time with this conversation because I'm on the more anti Willie Nylander side, I guess. But are like, you? Not like necessarily yeah. like hard on him, like some people are. Yeah. But like, I I find it hard to make this this argument. But you know, aren't we kind of past this? Like, can't we just kind of you know accept, accept it? No. You know, like the guy has got he's got <laughs> he's point per game already. He scored four game winners for the least so far this year. Like, did you been, hear Kipper? He, I say we think he's bad. No, that's, no, that's, that's not the it. The producing part for sure, but like. It's just you can harp on him, you can bench him, you can do whatever you want, and we're still going to keep having these conversations. 100%. And it's just I don't know what more they expect. Like, I know they expect more. They're paying them. They're giving them all this money. But, like, I don't think it's ever going to change, and I don't think benching them is going to change. It's showed in the past. It doesn't change them. So I just don't – I just think you're going to get what you get. I, I The Nylander conversation is one that's becoming more and more frustrating to me. For me yeah, – uh, you, I, I disagree with you on the benching part. It gets yes. everybody's attention. Well, I was going to say, so if you it, don't it stay does, on them, wait and does. see what you get. And it might be temporary, and it might it just might be a jolt for the next week or two. But absolutely, the number one thing that you can take away from any of us, that's ice time. That's yeah. the one that matters the most to us. Yeah. And, you know, I wrote something about Willie. It might have been last year. That was like, his critics are justified because they're not no one ever says that Willie's bad. They agree with the with the haters, everyone who loves him, he's talented, he's good, he's all those things. It's a frustration with him. You know, you heard Sheldon Keefe, his coach talk about consistently. How consistently can you do it? And just cuz a guy doesn't bring consistency, it doesn't make sense to me to say, well, we'll excuse it then he's just a guy who doesn't try sometimes. Like I don't know, I don't think that's a we want to give him a pass on that. I just think that this year he's been noticeably a lot better he's been most great. nights. He's been great. Right? And yeah. it's just, you know, I don't know who it's on. I don't know if it's, it's I guess it's on Willie. He's, he's getting older. Uh, he's starting to really be the guy that you th- you want, you're paying oh, for. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And it's just at, at times when it's needed, it's not there. These guys, and I include Matthews and Tavares and Marner, they are they're going to want to not take too many nights off because you will get called out in this town. Yeah. And it is that is what it truly is in this town, Sammy, is that these guys are making 40 million over every year between the four of them and that's that's the demand and if Willie looks like he's taking a couple of shifts off, he's going to hear about it. But here's what I would say that the frustrating part about Saturday for me watching that game and having Willie be the one that bench. Who looked good? Who looked like they were giving the A effort? Mm-hmm. It was an awful game by 85% of the guys in the lineup and the one guy that gets picked. And, hey, look, I thought Willie was pretty bad. And I even texted you earlier in the game saying yeah. that Willie is playing so badly and whatnot. But I just – for him to get picked out of the group of guys, again, it's just like, okay, this is what frustrates the, the Neanderthals. But what it's about in that instance, <laughs> what it's about there is – who can you bench on this team? Or who does Sheldon and even Kyle feel like you can bench on this team? And Kipper, it's a good conversation for, or I'd love to get your take on yeah. that too. Who's benchable? Because to me, 
You're not going to sit out Austin Matthews. You can, sure, but we haven't seen him with Matthews or Marner. I think Marner's the hardest working guy they have. Hardest working guy, consistent, a lot of money. Generally, like Matthews, Marner play all the time. There are guys who it's pointless to bench because they don't notice. You're at the bottom of the lineup. You're, is it Simmons or Engvall or whoever it is? Fine. You can bench Engvall. Go ahead. What's the point? Like, there's just not many guys they can do this with where they say, you sit down and watch for a while. I don't you're know. not going to embarrass Tavares. You're not going to embarrass Tavares. He's your captain making $11 million. Like, there's not many people to make this point with as much as... It's I a do... great point. But, like, it's just for... Uh, I'm not even... Like I said, I'm not even, like, a diehard Nylander guy. I really yeah. am not. But even for me, watching that being like, Why really? Not? We're yeah. really... We're doing this... Like, do you not... I'm a Leaf fan. I'm watching the game. They're, they're trying to tie the game. You know who I kind of want on the ice at the end of that game? Willie the guy Nylander. who did it? Yeah. yeah 22 like, I, hours I, I, prior? So I, I have a tough time with it making this argument because I don't even really truly believe it, and part of me is happy he benched him, which is weird. <laughs> but it's just I want him on the end of the his, at the end of the game. His starts better than most, mm-hmm. and now the six point nine has actually been favorable to him. It's probably alleviated, alleviated uh, a lot of pressure now, knowing that he's not even close to being the eleven million dollar player. The other three are right. And I, I I think there's some leeway on him on that now. Oh, you don't want to give Willie leeway. Um, so leeway Willie, is scary for him. It is. <laughs> but it's keep there. That, keep that leash taut. And, and he may know it too. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. And so the, the ice time with Willie has been a little – because remember how much he was playing at the start of the year. But now he was down to 16 against Buffalo. We know, talked about him getting benched. He played 21 against Calgary. But then it's 17-something, 17-something, 18-something. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, playing a little less when, chicken and the egg situation when, here. When a coach like Sheldon says other areas, okay, you're, you're talking about away from the puck. That's yeah, yeah. that's where Willie kind of gets lost. Is he his heart rate, his blood gets boiling when he has the puck and he can start darting around and he can cut and he can mm-hmm. loop and he can do all these things, but it's the other areas, i.e., your play away from the puck. Yeah. And I, I want people don't tend, majority of people that watch games, they don't watch players that don't have the puck. You're like referees. Referees are watching where the puck is too. And there's some guys that are really suck at it. Yeah. And there's some guys who are great at it. Well, that's, like, what, that's what Sheldon's talking about. When you don't have the puck, yeah. what are you doing? And that's where Willie has to. Rise. So they're taking Willie off the line with Austin Matthews, and I noted this a couple times. I still got to put a package together, but that, the, the chemistry wasn't quite there with him and Matthews. Let, let's listen to Sheldon Keith today and why he's uh, separating that line. No. Not that I did. I mean, the Lions just didn't have a chance tonight. I mean, it didn't matter what the Lions were tonight. And when you work and compete like that, like we did tonight, the Lions don't have a chance, so you can't really take too much away from it. <laughs> and it's been interesting because I do think the individual players have, have played well, but when I, when I went through and I looked at the chances that Austin's generated, the chances that Will's generated, uh, they haven't necessarily involved each other. Uh, and it just speaks to how, how great individually they are. Uh, but uh, the connection hasn't been there. Um, not to say that it won't be revisited and, the, and won't get a chance, and it's not a good thing to go to at different times throughout a game. But uh, just, just you know, the, the connection with Austin and Mitch obviously is uh, is a very good one. That uh, did a lot of great things for us last season. 
They, they interviewed Sheldon while he was using his snowblower in the backyard, apparently. The bony was coming on. <laughs> <I think. laughs> the the line didn't, didn't have a chance. Yeah. Didn't have a chance. Like, the only way you say Didn't have that, a chance because they played terribly. Is the, point, the only right? way you, you say that a line didn't have a chance is if their skates didn't show up at the rink and you had to play in running <laughs> shoes. Then you can honestly say that they didn't have a chance. Yeah. I mean, you just didn't have a chance. No skates. But... <laughs> The chance was there. They Not just didn't. Uh, yeah, didn't give you, didn't give your head coach what he wanted. Yeah, I think that's a great observation, though. It's like that line got tons of chances. Go ahead and pick through the numbers, and they'll tell you. Yeah, chances, chances. Did any of them have anything to do with one another? Was there any sort of give and go, tic tac toe, finding each other back door? Well, I think, I think it's hilarious though that Kasha has been working as you know what off for however many games here been really good been probably the shining star of the least bottom six finally gets this promotion up to the top line and he gets the what the d plus effort the d <laughs> effort from from matthews and nylander yeah. and back down to the third line you go kasha I, so thanks boys thanks I, boys appreciate that i'm i've kind of suggested that they aren't the best playmaking centermen out there mm-hmm you watch the Boston Bruins, and I know we're talking about one of the best modern-day lines in history now, in Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. But watch the way they move the puck east to west and way, the way they find each other and the way they don't hold on to the puck so long that it gets kind of turned over or ends up being a broken play. The Leafs yet to have, have, have a line that you can really say all three of them are involved and all three of them support each other without the puck and give great outs, outlets, and then end up being real dangerous in front of the net. I don't see that out of yeah. the top two lines out of the Leafs. What they are doing is they're getting Nylander with Matthews and Marner for these like odd shifts every other, you know, once every other period type of thing. They've played together more this season than they have in the past. Sometimes that happens when they're together when they get all three of them out there at the same time. But I think it's a lot to ask a guy like Bunting or Richie or well, whatever. But poor Kasha, man. But you just you just nailed it here. You, you got you got four forwards. Yeah. Two of them we know for sure will play with each other. And then now we've got, like, what do you have on left wing? Like, that's the drop-off. You're talking about a, a, a line. Yeah. A line is is three, not two. And then pick a number out of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the drop off is on these guys right now. If you had a legitimate top six forward, I that, still think that happens that by the play, deadline. That could play consistently every night. That changes the look for Matthews and, uh, and Tavares when they're pushing to the left side of the ice. Mm-hmm. Well, you were saying all those things about what a good line does and what the, you know, getting the puck in their own zone, taking it out, doing all the stuff, right stuff. And I was thinking, oh, it's the third line. That's what's been great. And then you said finishing in front of the net. And then I was like, oh, no, we're not talking about the third line here. But I actually think the combination of Engvall, <sighs> Camp, and whoever they've put on that other other spot has done really good job of, you know, I think that's probably been their more, like, consistent in terms of what you get on a shift-to-shift basis in terms of what they do compared to the other lines on the team. Like, he's really stuck with that as a third line, and they've done well sort of, you know, advancing the puck, getting it into the offensive zone. They just can't do anything with it once they get it there. I think if you ask 
Kyle Dubas how he thinks the David Kampf experiment has gone, he would be thrilled. very happy. Be thrilled. He's won, you know, more well, than 50% really of his on it. the PK. He's uh, killing penalties. Other than Sam's point where they can't score in a soccer net. <laughs> That's a bit of a problem. Uh, it, it's been good. Yeah. You're not playing in your own zone. Uh, you're taking face-offs there, but you're not spending a lot of time there. It's a line you trust to at least do the thing you want them to do, which is not get scored on, which is no small thing. So so now, if we're talking about the lines, I guess we got to talk about old uh, Rich going up to the top line again here. So, Yes. Thoughts, fellas? Nick Ritchie's back. Thoughts are that this is the way it's going to be. You, you shuffle it up. And... Yeah, put him back up there if he's feeling okay. What choice do you have? I just feel like this is their, they know they have to get this guy to work or the whole salary cap puzzle thing doesn't work. So I think they, they're they incentivized to make this work. Yeah. I think they think Matthews and Marner together can be good enough that if Richie can at least do some stuff, he so, helps. No. All, all you got to do, all you got to do, you put him back up there. And you hope that he can just buy you time. Until you can get a, <laughs> until yeah. you find a solution? Or, yes, yeah. correct. And that means if you can find a way to continue to get points in the standings, then you just you wait it out. You, you shrink your cap and you go out there and you, and you find again, you know, a, a Nick Foligno, but one that will work out. Not cost you a first. No, no, it'll cost you. If you want somebody to step in and play that type of role with the likes of a Matthews, Marner, you got to pay, man. You're going to pay through the nose. And they're going right up against Florida in the first round or something too, aren't they? This is what interests me, having Richie go back up to the top line because, sure, he's been better. Rich was great. Um, Yeah, Rich was great. uh, So he's been better. Right? Um, um, <laughs> but, like, how much of this conversation is Kyle Dubas? Like, we saw how much they meet and all or nothing. They're just meeting constantly. How much is Dubas being like, hey, he's been better, Sheldon? Oh, it's, it's Kyle's time. not asking him for it's, what he thinks necessarily. They're sitting there in a room, and they have their board with yeah. the names up there, and they are together going through how it's going to look. It's not... Like it used to be where the GM hands it off to the coach and the coach does his well, thing. But so he's like, hey, man, put him up there. Like, you think well, he's, I, made, like, there's, I, he's feeling I think, the pressure on it? I don't think uh, Sheldon's oblivious to the salary cap situation no, either. I, I think he's like, all right, we got to get this guy going. Wow, we know they're both thicker than thieves. Oh, yeah. So they're, they're totally on the same page. Yes. If Kyle would suggest putting him back up there, why wouldn't Sheldon just do it? Funny, they have a million people in that organization, but I imagine it's the two of them mostly. With you know, the assistant coaches obviously have their input, but trying to decide what the best look for this roster is. I can't tell you the number of people that have asked me over the last year and a half. Like, I cannot believe this is a Brendan Shanahan team, right? right? Just, Brendan, just... like six hundred goals, fought everything, tough you know, in your face, whatever needed to get done, got done. And I tell them it's not Brendan Shanahan's team. It's Kyle Dubas's team. Right. And I honestly believe that. I I look at this team and this is all Kyle Dubas. You know what my theory is on the Brendan Shanahan thing is, is that 
Kyle Dubas and this team are like cryptocurrency. They're like Bitcoin. They're like whatever. Like Brendan Shanahan saw a good thing and he sees it coming and he's like, all right, we're going to be ahead of everyone else and we're going to buy all the stock in Kyle Dubas. Society wasn't quite ready to move there. Like maybe cryptocurrency is a huge thing for all of us, but I think he bought a little little early. Yeah. Somewhere CJ's ears yeah. just Yeah, like there. you can't spend Kyle Dubas at the corner store yet yeah. is what I, I'm trying to say. I don't I don't believe that uh when when Kyle has made certain moves, I'm I'm sure he's talked to Brendan about it, but he doesn't need Brendan signing off on a lot of the stuff that he's done. I think he's just gone out there and done it. I don't think you can hire a GM and then ask him to, you know, listen to your decisions or else you're the GM. You know, you got to hire your guy and trust yeah. in his vision and let him do his thing. This vision. So, you, you know, go if you wanted a Brendan Shanahan team, would you pick up Kyle Clifford on waivers right now? Mm. No. I got Nick Ritchie, man. I don't need another one. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's enough. I can't have two of them in the same lineup. I can't dress Clifford and Bunting and Clifford wants to punch Nick Ritchie. That, those are my three out of my four left wingers. Are you nuts? <laughs> uh, listen, we got Kirill Semyonov in the fourth line right now. Kyle Clifford sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just not that Semyonov's bad. Just from a from a personal perspective, I, I think it's a little bit of a tainted relationship with Kyle Clifford because he was the one that ran Peter Morazic in the David Ayers game that caused <laughs> David Ayers to happen. So he pressed go on I, the Ayers moment. Yeah, so I don't think they can they can bring him back on that situation. But that's not an answer here. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it was a cop Just out. Stop yeah. it. You don't, I don't know. So, Both of you. So before we head to break here, boys, what's your biggest takeaway from this weekend? Is there anything that you can well, point listen, to? Well, I, I, I said all last week, guys, that they're going to go to Hutchinson. That's the third goalie in the depth chart, according to them. It's too early to bail out on them. And what do they do? They bailed out on Hutchinson, yeah. and they went with Wall. I do believe that they weren't convinced that they're really – happy right now i think in many ways they they expose themselves to we don't really have a third goalie here no i'm surprised like the fact that they went out there and brought hutchinson back and then had him play one bad game and now they just don't believe in him because this is not a case of actually sheldon even said this it was not a case of like wool earning his opportunity them saying well we gotta look at him what he's, he's too hot right now we just gotta put him in boys look at what he's doing he's an 880 in the ahl <laughs> like you know like he it was an injury thing they needed someone to go in i can't believe in that instance they didn't go with hutchinson you know wool got his crack i didn't think he looked very good now okay. now what are you doing and you got it well got a three campbell week coming up again and is then, that what you, you want know, to do with with campbell and you know what you have to Hutch has got to go. You also had a goaltender issue at the end of last season, and you you gave up a third rounder for a third goalie, which I thought was crazy. Uh, You know, third round pick for a guy that you hope can stay in the sidelines. You didn't know what you had. And the next day, Freddie was back on the ice. Tell you something. The next day, where where in that first round did Kyle Dubas think that if I have to go? To our third round or third goalie in um, in uh, Riddich. Riddich, that we're still in the series. They believe it's, in Riddich. They think it, he's a goalie, a real goalie. If it's over, if you needed to go to your third goalie that you spent a third round on, the series was over, man. I think he wanted to get to a point where if you got to that third guy, it wasn't over, and they believed that Riddich was was that guy. 
That's just crazy talk. <laughs> okay. A third rounder for a third string goalie. Going in, Sam, Sammy's right, though. Like, had Freddie a day earlier, two days earlier, gone in and been like, hey, boys, I think I'm going to skate tomorrow. Yeah. They'd have been like, all right, save the third. Yeah. Well, David Redditch and the National Predators coming into town tomorrow night. So, there is you he go. with the Preds? He is with the Preds. I he, he's played that. one game this year. Yeah. So we're all set. They've got uh, three this week, starting Tuesday, four, they got Thursday. Four this week. Thursday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, Sunday. They play the they play the Isles on Long yeah. Island in the second yeah. half. Yeah, UBS Arena, boys. I, I'm just focusing on the first three because <laughs> I believe that those are all Campbell starts. Yeah. And then what happens Sunday in UBS? You throw Hutchinson in Long Island. Where's, where's second Kaskasua game in the new... when you need him? Call Kasky. him up. Yeah. And then Sunday, of course, is the one that you're gonna. Hutchison or, or Wall? Where, I got to bet on the Islanders on that side. <laughs> that is, honestly, betting on the Islanders in that game is potentially the freest money yeah, of all time. Like, a, they just never win that game, especially since Tavares has gone. Have they beat the Isles since Tavares went there? We don't need you. No. Yeah. And I, you know, I respect that fan base. Like, I, I would be all over that if I was them. Like, well, I, if I went there and I would be acting just the way they've been the acting. boy. We'll, there you go. We'll find out uh, later on in the show. Jim Ralph's going to join us, so we'll, we'll ask him what he thinks about uh, the, the goaltending starts this coming week with the next four, as JB pointed out. But uh, after the break, Tim Peel, retired NHL referee. Remember all that trouble he got in Nashville? <laughs> I do. We got him after the break, and we're going to get into a little Connor McDavid conversation because there's so much talk this week or this weekend, about not stars not getting their calls. Mm -hmm. I think Tim Peel would be the perfect guy to tell us. Very Leaf-related, too. Right? Yeah. All right, Tim Peel after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. What do you make of all this talk about uh, Connor McDavid and Connor not getting the calls? I think about the NBA a lot and how they talk about star calls. You know, your star player LeBron goes to the rim. He's more likely to get a call. Is it fair? I don't know. But I think it's good for the league, whether, you know, right or wrong. So, I don't know. I I wouldn't mind seeing a few a few borderline calls go Connor's way a little more often. All right. We've never played the part of a NHL referee before me and you? No, why would we do that? It sounds terrifying. Constantly when we watch, we think we are <laughs> experts. Uh, but let's actually bring one in that, that did it for a living. Mm -hmm. Tim Peel, retired NHL referee and a rules analyst for dailyfaceoff.com. Tim, how are you? I'm good, Kipper. How are you? I'm good, man. What's it like on, uh, on the other side of the glass, broadcasting oh, and it's... getting in the media? You want to go back on the uh, other side? Not a chance. You'll you'll laugh at this. So Jamal Mayers, he's retired here in St. Louis, and his son and my son are Dane Berthier, and they're on the select team. And and we were at a tournament a couple of weeks ago, and Jamal Jammer and I are both yelling at the refs. And I look at Jammer after the team, and I go, "We cannot yell at the refs." And I go, "I especially can't yell at the refs." So. No, I don't miss it. I had a great run. I owe everything to the National Hockey League. They were phenomenal to me. But it's fun. It's uh, You know what the best part is? is uh, 
Bronson's nine and my little girl's seven. She's a good horseback rider and I'm home all the time to see them. And that's, that's the, that's the, the best part about it right now. So when you, uh, Tim, uh, you know, ended your run with the NHL, we know it was a, a controversial, um, mic'd up situation where the, the, the TV uh-huh. and the microphones picked you up and you were basically saying that, uh, uh, it wasn't much of a call, um, but it was, a uh, that you wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early and, you know, did the whole world that day discover what we knew as players all along that you guys manage a game? You don't necessarily call penalties per se completely on an individual basis, but it's about managing a game. Yeah, I think that's fair, Kipper. I think, I think in my case, um, so. I called that penalty and then I looked at the replay as I was going to the box and I see, because I, at the time I honestly thought Arvidsson kicked his feet out. And then I look at the replay and I'm like, and I could tell by Arvidsson's reaction that Daddy hadn't cut, uh, kicked his feet out. <coughs> Sorry. And so I'll give you an example. Like my intent was not to get Nashville that night. We only called two penalties against them. And, and so obviously that wasn't my intent and, and you don't survive in the, in the NHL for, for, you know, as long as I did, if if that's how you referee games, but what you do do, and I I know what you're getting at is, if somebody asked me the other day, because we always hear about it, we always hear it on TV, the makeup call, the makeup call, and if you have three or four or five penalties, I think everyone is expecting the next penalty to go against the other team. Now, I, I don't, I don't, I disagree with that though that it's a makeup call because. What happens is, as an official, your antennas go up and you go, you know what, if I've got six against Detroit and not against Toronto right now, I better make sure that I don't miss one against, against Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so as, as a referee, we can't make makeup calls. What happens is, is if the penalty's there, then obviously you have to call it. But like I explained to someone the other day, you know, people always say, well, it's a makeup call. Well, was it a penalty or not? Well, yeah, it was a penalty. Well, then why is it a makeup call? And, and in, in the NBA, for example, they call so many, so many fouls late in the game. And, and, but that doesn't happen in hockey because we call what happens. And if it's two penalties a game or if it's six penalties a game, now are we going to miss stuff? Absolutely. But as far as this makeup call, I, I, it, it, I don't know how it started, when it started, but yes, you know, any good official, you ask any, the, the Koharskis, the Frasers, the Wacoms, the, the, the uh, Kelly Southern and Wes McCauley, part of our job is to manage the game. You know, we're, we're out there to keep it fair. We're out there to keep it safe. And, you know, you hear fans go, well, just call the rule book. Well, that's not realistic. Let's be honest. So what do we do with guys who are really great skaters and really strong? And I think Connor McDavid checks both of those boxes. But, like, you know, a guy goes to water ski behind him and McDavid's able to plow through it, you know, that hook and move on his merry little way. He's far uh-huh. less likely to get the call. I, I think McDavid's like 200th or something and drawn penalties this, this year, which seems absurd. But... You know, it seems to me wrong that we're looking for the result of a play when a guy is sometimes able to just plow through it. What, what do you make of that? So it's a very good question, Justin. And I looked it up the other day. He's 135th in the league uh, as far as penalties drawn, which is is a surprise. I took my son and went down to 
Enterprise Center and watched him last night here in St. Louis, and he's just a phenomenal skater. And I looked at some clips the other day, and there were four of them in which he got tripped. One of them I can I can uh, say, you know what, I don't have a problem with the officials not calling a penalty on that play. But at the end of the day, he is the best player in the league. He shouldn't get prefer- preferential treatment. He should be treated just like Sid Sid was when he came in the in the league and Obi and so on. But he is. There are definitely, and it's. I think it's a very valid point that there are play, there are, have been times uh, throughout the early part of the season that he has been tripped and he hasn't got the benefit of the doubt. And I will say this about Connor McDavid: he does not embellish. He does not dive. He, like you said, he fights through it. And and part of the, I think there's one area here, because he is so fast, it doesn't take much to knock him off. And, you know, you've got a player that's plugging up, up the ice and, uh, you know, he can fight through a few things. But Connor is so fast that if there's a stick in on his skates, you know, he's going down. But I think our referees, and it would be, I think, negligent of me not to say it, I think we need to, hey, listen, we're not going out there and making up penalties to give Connor McDavid power play. But, you know, Rob Schick, one of our former referees, and he's a supervisor now with the National Hockey League, he would always say to, to myself and other referees, if there's an opportunity in the first period where, you know, either team gives you a call, whether it's a tripping, whether it's a hooking, he says that's your opportunity to set to get it get it early, set the standard for the night so that the players know what is going to be called on a consistent basis. And I think Connor, and and I'm sure, you know, Kenny Holland is is a tremendous general manager. I'm sure he's talked to Stephen Walkham and and has showed him some of these clips and has asked, you know, why isn't Connor getting these, these calls? And I think it's a valid point. I just want to follow up on the star player question. Just say, should star players get preferential treatment? Like, should there be some? No, no, you don't. You don't believe in any because there is some some thought out there that for the good of the NHL and these best players, it would behoove us to give them a little make you know calls a little tighter on those guys. Listen, are we naive not to think that they people have come to see Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid? Uh, Alexander Ovechkin. That's what the fans are paying good money to come see the star players. Now, are the officials going to make up calls to, to on those players? No. But if those players are fouled, then they then there should they should get rewarded for it because of their skill level. You know, I saw last night Sidney Crosby was getting frustrated. Uh, Chris Rooney gave a cross-checking penalty in the third period against Sid, put Sid in the box. You know, one of the obviously the best players in the world. And and then we saw the play in behind the net with the with the Washington player. It really wasn't that bad. Everybody up today right. is like, should he get suspended? I'm like I'm like, are you serious? The guy's six foot two, two hundred and two pounds, and Sydney's just going to pick him up and throw him to the ice. A, a big part of that play was simply their momentum going towards the end boards. Could it have been called a roughing penalty? Maybe, but at the end of the day, that's all it was. So I, you know, we. Th- they shouldn't be given preferential treatment, but we also need to take care of our, our of our stars like they do in other uh, leagues in the world. And I think our officials do a great job of that now. Are we going to miss stuff? Are there going to be trips and, and hooks missed in a game? Absolutely. You know, we've got 1,200 games played every year in the National Hockey League. 
things are going to get missed. It's not perfect. We're on the ice. We're looking at it in real time. And the fans are looking at it on, on a replay at slow-mo at home, wondering why that wasn't called. Well, it, that's, not, that's not realistic. That's not how the game is officiated. Tim, I, I know I'm starting to get really old because I'm, I'm laughing at this overall conversation because all I, I think of is wash, rinse, and repeat because these are the same conversations we've had since Gretzky, Mario, Sid, yep. Stevie Y, uh, OV, and they've managed to set records, get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, win their cups. I mean, this is just standard stuff for best in the world players. Well, you know what, and, and I truly believe this, Kipper, that the, the, the thing that really is driving this now is social media. And when you and I were in the league coming up when, you know, you were in the league before for me, stuff like this went on every night, every night. But now it happens. It's on Twitter in two seconds, and it's shared by thousands and millions of people. Social media is a big driver behind this. Officiating in any sport has been a lightning rod forever, whether it's been Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL. Our officials in the National Hockey League, and Kipper, you, you had some you, some good refs. You had some refs that you probably didn't like and didn't think they were very good. But at the end of the day, we you know, we've seen games in Europe, okay? We have the best officials in the world working in North America. And I'm not just saying that because I just left the ice. But I've traveled abroad, and I've worked overseas in, in international hockey, and our officials are doing a tremendous job. Are they going to miss stuff? Absolutely. It's, it's unrealistic, like I said earlier, to think that they're not going to miss a couple trips against Connor McDavid. It's going to happen. And you've got 1,200 games with 34 refs, and people say to me, well, why is the officiating change in the playoffs? They said it doesn't change. I said what happens is, you have 20 referees go on to the Stanley Cup Finals. 14 guys go home and don't work the playoffs. So now we have the best 20 uh, uh, referees in the league, and the players are more disciplined. I used this analogy the other day, and people said, wow, there's not as many penalties called. I said, do you think Barry Trotz is not in the dressing room before the game when they're playing Tampa going, you guys, we cannot take penalties against Tampa. We can't. We take penalties, they're going to score in the power play. You know, to my to Kipper, to the point you made, you know, that these questions have been asked of, you know, star players for years and years and years. You know, maybe we haven't answered the question right yet. Every single time the answer's been like, yeah, just make Mario tough it out. Just make Stevie Y tough it out. Maybe the answer isn't to have these guys tough it out. Maybe it is to have these guys get a little bit more star treatment, a little more room. Quarterbacks in the NFL get protected. Stars in the NBA get protected. I don't know. Random, random I don't Justin, know. We, we've got... We- but we, we did that after the lockout when, when Wacom took and we brought in the new uh, standard. You, you know, you, you see, we, we, we watched the old Mario Lemieux highlights. He's got three guys dragging off him as he's going to the net, and he still, he still scored. You don't see that now. That Connor McDavid play the other night in Edmonton with the Rangers, when he went through four guys, not one of them touched him with, the, with their stick. Maybe they couldn't because he was too fast. But they didn't try to hook them because they knew they would get a penalty. I think we already give that treatment to our star players now. Because when I was at the game last night and Vladdy Tarasenko had seven or eight shots, years before with the lot before we brought in the new standard, 
he wouldn't have had that because he would have been hooked, he would have been slashed, he would have been tripped. So I disagree because that is that that is why Connor McDavid's averaging two points a game right now because the officials are doing a good job of calling the hooking, the holding, the tripping standard. Like I said, are there going to be trips missed against them? Absolutely. But that's why, you know, I looked at the games last night. There were a lot of goals last night, and that's because our officials are doing a good job calling the standard. Hey, Tim, um, yeah, I, I agree. We're, we're, we're squeezing everything that we can out of these current officials here, but is there a concern long-term about uh, officials, NHL, producing them? I'm watching uh, uh, Edmonton and Boston. I think they had two rookie officials who, you know, they may go on to have great 25-year careers, 30-year careers, but... You know, is there any chance you're going to pull your kid out of the hockey uh, and, and put him in officiating school? No, and that's a, that's a really good point, Kipper, because over the last few years, you know, you had Brad Watson. Brad Watson was a great official. You had Dave Jackson retire. You had Dan O'Halloran retire. Myself retired. Mark Schoenetz retiring soon. We've had a lot of guys, Brian Murphy, uh, Scott Driscoll, on and on and on. We've had a lot of guys retire over the last three or four years, so it, it has put the league in a position. And that's why they, you know, they have this combine in Buffalo and they're recruiting, you know, obviously guys that have refereed, but they're also recruiting ex-players and guys that understand the game. Uh, you know, a big part of our game now, you know, I remember when I was on the ice with Connor, I felt like I was a turnstile at the New York subway when he'd go past me. You know, it's like I'm 55 years old and this kid's 21 and can skate better than anyone ever has probably. And so they're hiring guys that are athletes now. They're hiring guys that played pro hockey out of the East Coast League and American League, etc. So, you know, there are going to be games. You're right. There are going to be games where you've got younger guys just because they don't have enough season vets to to work with them and that is i'm sure a concern of stevens hey tim thanks for doing this but we really that, oh sorry but but but, but one last thing yeah sure that, what does help what does help though is that we have video review now we have video review for high sticks we have video review for goaltender interference obviously we have video review for headshots and offsides so even if we do have a younger crew that is a little less experienced We've got those uh, um, mechanisms in place to hopefully help them if they if they happen to miss a call because of lack of experience. Once upon a time, that video was just to see if the puck entered the net. <laughs> I, I hope know. I hope we're not all replaced by robots anytime soon. It's coming. I agree. Tim, thanks for doing this. Boys, thanks for having me, and uh, congrats. I hear the show's doing great up there in Canada, number one. So, uh, really Cameron, appreciate it. Jamal and I and Andy Strickland. Jam- Jamal and I and Andy Strickland started a little show here on Tuesdays from two to three. So I don't think I don't think you will hurt your ratings too bad. What's it here. called? Good luck and all the best. What's it it's called? called uh, <laughs> it's called Hot Mike. Nice. <laughs> nice. Lean into it, Timmy. Lean yes. into it. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, we, Tim. Justin, we figure we might as well have a little fun with it. Right? There you go. Yeah, Absolutely, Tim Peel. Thank you very much. Thanks, boys. Also with DailyFaceOff.com. Okay, enough with the. Uh, we got to treat now all our stars like LeBron James.
Okay. Uh, no. What, what is no. your solution, by the way? No. You're, gonna, you're saying Mario Lemieux used to be able to drag through and win and score goals. Got, Why should he have to? I've got no problem, like, really focusing and making right calls on, on our top players. And let's face it, Connor McDavid's got the puck 10 times more than Engvall. We don't give a crap. We're not watching with like, <laughs> like under a microscope when Engvall's got the puck. Right. But we all are on Connor McDavid. So there's going to be more missed calls. There's going to be more calls, but there's going to be more missed calls. Mm -hmm. So let's leave it at that. But you are now trying to say that Connor McDavid should have the same treatment as LeBron James. LeBron James can can win a game by himself. Connor should be able to. Okay. No. No, no player can. No. How many minutes any if 50 50 calls should go for minutes him. in an NBA game. How LeBron many minutes is LeBron playing? 49. Thank you. <laughs> How many Connor McDavid is our best player in the league. He plays a third uh, he influences only a third of the game. So you're saying we should be three times as more as likely to make calls against her on him. To what help I'm him telling out. you, my friend, in the game of hockey, there's no one player bigger than the game. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, it's 130th in penalties drawn. My God. No, he's got to be higher than that. I, I think I think there's a I think there's a happy medium between your both of your mindsets in this. Like, I don't even have this mindset. I know. <laughs> I, I know you don't. It's You're a just, random stance I know, to it, take. It is. But. This has been foisted upon you. You. This is now your take. But I just. I think there is a happy medium between, you know, him being ranked. What is he ranked? You said one thirtieth or before 130th. that. Yeah. Like, oh, I said two hundredth or something. Can we get him? said it on hockey. Can we get him in the top twenty? Top twenty-five? Seems like right. I think I think it's fair. It's an argument that he has the puck way more than everybody else. So like you know, there's going to be stuff happening all the time. I don't know. I just think they can call a few more penalties on the stars. But I also agree with Kipper that I don't want it to be like a guy goes by, I'm giving him a little hack, and arm goes up right away because I hate that about basketball too, where it's like. You know, however many times I watched the Raptors play the Cleveland Cavaliers getting their doors blown off, and, you know, LeBron comes down the lane and guy, like, flicks his finger off his finger, and it's like the ref blows it, he lays it in. I hate that, too. Yeah. So it's, it's a hard – listen, who would be a ref? Uh, you know, I was actually thinking, you guys think I could do it? I'm 38. I did it. I did it when I – like, when I was a kid, I did it. Like, I was a ref for lacrosse and for hockey for, I think, four years. Yeah. Hated every minute of it. 50 bucks a game. So I did it. I hated every minute of it. I'd follow you to the parking lot. <laughs> Buddy. Hold on, me or Sam? <laughs> Both of you. Okay. Buddy. I – ah, man. I – I saw, <laughs> I saw some stuff in lacrosse with, like, 15 to 16-year-old kids in lacrosse that I could never unsee. Like, oh. the stuff that you – like, it's just a crappy job. I, no I remember, one ever is happy 11. with you. I remember being 11 and seeing dads coming over the glass at refs. Fatality. Are you, are you kidding me? It was not – it's not a fun job. And I it can't is, hate it more. It has to be the hardest – Sport to officiate has to it be. has to be. You know it's, it's so brutal too. Is where right they are. Now. We it's might too. have to take them off the ice and put them above the sheet or something. It is put them above so the game. fast. That's interesting. And they're so big. And do you see a couple of the officials on the weekend? They're like caught in the scrum. They're trying to get out. <laughs> they're climbing the glass. Six four two twenty. You're looking through them to try to catch a hold. You know, like it's it's just an awfully hard and sport to. They they cannot. Guess, guys, they cannot guess. And if it means missing it, then you miss it. But you don't want to, you don't want to now 
get to a point where you're going to blow everything down and then you're going to go to the box and they're going to allow you to look at it in video and go, uh, no, face off uh, at center ice. I was wrong. Yeah. It's just, let's not completely I, gross out our game. Not to sound like a, you know, a ref def- apologist here, but most nights I'm not thinking about the refs too much. No, Like, neither. you know, there's w- maybe one every 10, one every five games where I'm like, oh my God, the refies are brutal tonight. But like... I don't know. I feel for the most part they do a pretty good job. Don't you? Totally agree. And somehow, someway, if they are managing the game, it does feel that way. But you can't do it without having a little leeway on if if I made a soft call, I'll, I'll, fi- I, I'll, I'll find another soft call to even it up. Well, you, Sorry. Nailed, you nailed it with Tim talking about how, like, it's like anyone who's played, watched, or been involved with hockey at any level at all knows exactly that game management happens every single hockey game. Yeah. It's, a, it's a thing that happens and all the time. it was shocking to people that discovered it the first time on social media listening to him uh, that was a tough put his one. foot in his mouth, unfortunately. It was a tough one. The, the league have some higher agenda there or something. I, I got to say. Thousand points to Tim Beal for naming his podcast Hot, Hot Mike. Mike. <laughs> this guy's just wearing yeah. it. Yeah, lovely. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Great guest. That was great. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.